Thanks for listening to Chicago's Morning Answer podcast sponsored by Signature Bank. Signature Bank takes pride in helping customers grow their business and provide unmatched banking expertise, custom financial solutions, and the industry's best technology. So whether you're a business looking for a deposit relationship or needs a ready source of financing, Signature Bank is the right bank for you. Call today at 773-467-5600 to hear how Signature Bank can help your business grow and thrive. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Now, from the Signature Bank Studios, this is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. So yesterday... Thanks to the uh, Daily Mail, and thanks, as I suspected, I I think, to Carrie Lake, we brought you the uh, story of this conversation between Carrie Lake and now former state Republican Party chairman in Arizona, Jeff DeWitt, where the uh, state party chairman was talking to Carrie about, uh, this is now back in March of last year, about her desire to run for the Senate in Arizona in the 24 cycle and saying, you know, sit this one out yeah, and try to fire off the boys back east uh, are willing to make it worth your while. But you probably should sit this one out. And I kind of agree with them. Here's a some of what happened in that conversation. They want to be on the team. They want you to be on their team. But, Just, you know? but if they're pushing a globalist agenda, I can't do that. So what do they want? What do they want me to do? You want me to stay out for two years. <laughs> but, I'll tell you what I can offer you. But, um, I said, you can do whatever you want. The talking head, this and that. So, the, the ask of me was, it's kind of funny. So the, the ask I got today from back east was, this is, it is there any companies out there or something that could just put her on the payroll and give her to keep her out? And I said, well, what do you want to do? Whatever we need to do. This is about defeating Trump. And I think that's a bad, bad thing for our country. Just to say, is there a number at which... I can be bought. <laughs> that's what it's about. You can take a pause for a couple of years. No. And they go right back to what you're doing. Mm-mm. No. 10 million, 20 million, 30, no, no, no. A billion, no. This is not about money. This is about our country. I think it's disturbing that they would even, that anybody would think this is. I, I, no, to be fair, even me, even me, I'll say this. I want a fresh face right now for the reason that I've never seen anyone, I can't think of a single person in a federal race, who've lost, ran in and won. Okay. can't think of it. If you can think of it, let me know. I am not going to let these people who hate our country tell me not to run. You should call them and tell them to get behind me. I, mean, I, I, I can win, and they should words. get behind me. I would, I would happily say those words. Yeah. Do you think my words will carry any weight? No. Okay, well, did you think you would come in here and that I would be bought? <laughs> it's not being bought. Yes, it is. It's, I think, what it I It is being bought. No. They, they are trying to buy me out of running. What and I it's, it's actually, I mean, all right, I'm flattered, 
it's I'm offended. I'm offended think, for our country. We have people this, like this who live here. What I think is this is it can give you an incredible opportunity to have a bigger voice to fight for stuff than you currently do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't want to deal with people like this. These people are un-American and I, I think they're unethical and I would be absolutely immoral if I did that. Again. That's immoral. I couldn't I couldn't look at my I, I couldn't look at myself in the mirror if I you know. Well, following uh, the release of the conversation or selected portions of it because apparently there was more recordings that she was going to release if Jeff DeWitt didn't resign. And other Arizona GOP officials, including the Maricopa County Party Chairman, called on him to resign. And yesterday, he issued a statement, well, resigning. I must clearly address this deceptive tactic. The recording from over 10 months ago is not only taken out of context, but undermines the integrity of private discussions critical for party leadership. Hmm, I don't know about that. Contrary to the notion of me being an enemy of Lakes, this conversation was recorded while I was actually employing Lake in my private company. Well, yeah, if he said it was a conversation between friends in the living room of her house. Well, if if it if you were employing her in a private company, then why are you going there as a representative from the boys back east, saying, "Is there somebody's payroll we can put you on if she's on your payroll?" Why couldn't you tell them, "I got it covered"? Um, which is interesting. Uh, the ethical breach in her recording of our conversation while Lake was my employee raises serious legal and moral concerns. Contrary to the accusations of bribery, my discussions were transparent and indeed and intended to offer perspective, not coercion. Our relationship was based on friendship, and the conversation is now being scrutinized. That is now being scrutinized was open, unguarded exchange between friends. I genuinely believed I was offering a helpful perspective. Since he cannot, quote, compete with the massive megaphone that Lake has, He's just a lowly business and financial guy that got recruited into this unpaid role that demands the amount of time of roughly two full-time jobs. Oh, oh, so oh, the victim here. So <laughs> sad, right? That you got recruited into. I'm sorry. Were you held at gunpoint? No, of course not. It's just that three it's, one two. Yeah, sorry three one two six four two five six zero zero turnkey pro answer line. You can also text us at six four six three six. Type in da then a quick comment. Yeah, the um, uh, the, uh, the 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 put upon uh, party poobah. Yeah, not not persuasive. He went on to say, "I said things I regret, but I realized when hearing hearing Lake's recording that I was set up. I believe she orchestrated this entire situation to have control over the state party, and it's obvious from the recording that she crafted her performance responses with the knowledge that she was recording it, intending to use this recording later to portray herself as her hero in her own story." Uh, there may be some truth to that. Obviously, she had this recording. She sat on it for the last mm -hmm. uh, 10 months, and she released it uh, uh, at this time in the run, you know, it, sort of at the the uh, inception of the campaign season this year in advance of November's election. But, um, you know, she orchestrated this entire situation. Well, I mean... Well, I think he did by approaching her and bribing her. I mean, that's what he did. He can't squirm his way out of that. So uh, she orchestrated this entire situation. You came to her on behalf of the boys back east 
to offer advice and counsel and sort of an indecent proposal. So how could she have orchestrated that? She may have known it was coming. She may just have taken a precautionary measure uh, measure of recording conversations with you because of an understanding that the establishment Republicans were antagonistic toward Carrie Lake and understanding she had that they that they did not want her to run. But but you came on behalf of these uh, shadowy East uh, East uh, Coast guys with this offer. She recorded it, maybe um, knowing how it was going. Boy, she's like, I got gold here and I'm going to use this when it's most opportune to me. That's called politics. She took advantage of an opportunity of somebody who is being, uh, you know, sent as a sycophant of the establishment to try to, you know, yeah, buy her out of the race, exactly what she said, and she turned it on you. Yeah, that's po- that's politics. And by the way, um, with respect to that, you know, good for her for bringing a knife to a knife fight. Three one two six four two fifty six hundred turnkey depro answer line. Orlando North Side, you're on Chicago's morning answer. Hi Dan, I just had a question. They kept using the term "day" and "dom," or he kept using the term "day" and "dom," and the boys back east. Which boys? The Democratic side, the Republican side. Who are they talking about? The Biden boys. Hi. Thanks for thanks for the call, no, Orlando. It's, it's the elusive who they is, you know. <laughs> well, it's it's clearly Republican Party right. leadership in D.C. and probably part of the donor class that splits time between D.C. and Arizona. You know, the, the idea that we want a fresh face. They're talking about who the Republican nominee for that Senate seat would be. So could it be coming in part from the Republican Senatorial Campaign Committee? Maybe. I don't know that Rick Scott would be sanctioning something like this, but staffers, you know, the, the staffer creatures, the consultant class inside the Beltway, big donors in Arizona. Yeah, I mean, I could see that. I mean, he's guilty. That's why he's resigning. And that letter was such a squirmy pea hat answer to the charges that were faced, or the, not the charges, but, I mean, the allegations of bribery. The whole, um, you know, I'm your friend. I'm coming to you as a friend, you know, um, and and so so now he's the one who's been betrayed, and we're supposed to say, "Oh, Carrie Lake's a snake because she set this guy up." No, I don't think so, because um, my friend wouldn't come to me with an indecent proposal that, first of all, would call my integrity into question. My friend would tell me, "Look, I'm getting pressure from these guys. I just just so you know, hey, whatever you want to do, you want to do. You're my friend. You choose your own path, and and I'll back you." Or I'm staying out of it. I have, I'll back you, you know, privately, personally as, as a friend, but I have to stay out of it. My role as state party chairman, if there's a Republican primary, well, any of that's fine and legitimate. But when you choose to serve, which DeWitt did, as an emissary for the boys back east, then don't come to me, uh, you know, in the next breath when you're caught and say, I was just doing that as a friend. Boy, with friends like that. And Carrie Lake, obviously, is a quick learner because she's understood the kind of political friends, which is our, my one of my favorite phrases, political friends translated to English, enemy, <laughs> not friend. <laughs> Jay in New Lenox, you're on Chicago's Morning Answer. Hi, Dan and Amy. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, I, I just want to congratulate Carrie Lake. Uh, that, that was a, 
a, a smart move. And, and I've always said in politics here, if you're going to get in, um, you better watch your back because they're going to come for you and they're going to try and blackmail you or pay you off or get something on you. And then they got you. And, and, and then you're, you're, uh, you're a puppet then. And, and that goes for Democrats and our Republicans especially here in the state of Illinois, that uh, tend to be spineless jellyfish. And uh, you, you got to wonder, is, is that happening? And that's why uh, they're part of the establishment. Unfortunately, that, uh, that really seems like the direction that that party's going. Thanks for the call, Jay. Yeah, you're right about the Illinois Republicans, too. And that's why you have to say spineless jellyfish. You have to really emphasize how spineless they are by saying spineless twice, essentially. Very good, Jay. Business owners, now's the time for your business to make the move to a locally owned business bank. Hi, Mike Gallagher here to let you know that you don't have to look far. Signature Bank was founded in Chicago with a simple mission to help companies like yours grow, succeed, and thrive. Their decisions are made locally by a terrific team that knows your name, cares about your business, and invests in your success. That's why Signature Bank is my bank. I'm a customer. As business owners, they knew that local family-owned businesses were not getting the help they needed or deserved. So, I invite you to reach out to my friends at Signature Bank today. Write the number down. Remember this phone number, Signature Bank, 773-467-5630. And learn all about this great bank, 773-467-5630. Or visit them online at SignatureBank.Bank. That's SignatureBank.Bank. Signature Bank makes commercial banking personal. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Uh, BLM Brandon uh, was speaking to the press again yesterday about the situation with uh, migrants. This housing crisis, as State Representative Cam Buckner calls it, it's not a it's not a people crisis. It's not a migrant crisis. No. It's not a crisis with respect to the rule of law. It's just a housing crisis. And they're not homeless people. They're unhoused people. They are unhoused. They are housing insecure. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, BLM Brandon uh, defending his handling of the situation thus far. I think we could all agree it's been a real tour de force saying this. I know folks may have questions about my style, but don't question my leadership. Oh, no. Oh, no. no. <laughs> that is Yikes. the Maginot line. Who dare cross the line and question Brandon Johnson's leadership. I mean, that is a bridge too far <laughs> to sleep under. 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro answer line, 64636DA, turnkey.pro text line. And if you are even thinking about questioning his leadership, let me give you an example of why you shouldn't. Uh, that eviction deadline that's coming up, February one. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. We're going to work really hard um, to continue to find as many options as we possibly can so no one has to be out on the street. Bam! Leadership. <laughs> How you like me now? I knew, come to the, I knew the cream would rise to the top. You, got, you think, you, you know, you see a problem? We're working hard on it. Uh-huh. Yep. Mm -hmm. 
There's a turnaround artist you're listening to right there, folks. Um, the uh, matter of uh, the you know, disagreement, polite disagreement. Maybe there's a little bit of miscommunication, but they're still very much in love. BLM and Jelly Belly. Look. Yeah. That uh, Jelly Belly is waiting for the indication of where the city wants to build the 29th and 30th and 31st shelter. And BLM Brandon saying, well, you know, with all due respect, sir, it sounds like you're questioning my leadership. Nobody does that. Not in this town. No, you didn't. And let me tell you what you can do after lunch. Shelters do not have to solely be set up and built in the city of Chicago. The state can do it wherever they want. Ooh. Oh, oh, those sound like fighting words to me. The problem is the state doesn't want them anywhere but Chicago. You know what you just heard there. As I read somewhere before, is a um, you know, mental health professional, and it seems to me what? as though that I have no idea what that is. Uh, you know what you heard there from BLM Brandon what? in the direction of J.B. Pritzker? Leadership. That was an expression of leadership. Uh, oh, well, okay. No, but, but the real point was that was his not-so-subtle way of saying, why don't you set him up in the suburbs? Right. That, that's what he's talking about, of course. They don't— Because that's he, why he had the meeting. Yeah, yeah right, with the, with the uh, metropolitan mayors who uh, deigned to uh, speak with him. What was it, two dozen of them? Uh, right. Yeah. This is a sanctuary state, buddy. Jelly Belly, it's a sanctuary state, so how about uh, Leonard Brother Hand? And I, I like one too. Yeah. I like what BLM Three. Brandon is laying down. Really? Yeah. Well, Pritzker, this is his response on money when they ask, you know, because again, as you mentioned, there's 28 migrant shelters. They're completely full. We need more. Um, what are you doing about it? The go? city has not told the state where they would like us to put our resources to build new shelters or help them build new shelters. So we can't help if they don't identify those locations. Yeah, and now and BLM Brandon just responded to that yesterday saying, yeah. what are you talking about? You don't need my green light to put shelters in the suburbs, is what he just said. And by the way, you don't frankly need my green light to put them in the city. And uh, we could use some state financial support to do what we're going to do in the city. So how you like me now, fat boy? <laughs> By the way, I wonder, we're going to talk to uh, Naperville City Councilman Josh McBroom a little bit in the show, see how that list is coming along of uh, Naperville yeah. families that are volunteering to uh, host migrants. Yeah, um, see who signed up. But you may, I mean, the Metropolitan Mayor's Caucus, the um, officers of the caucus, this is, the again, the brain stroke uh, from the daily years of using this Metropolitan Mayor's Caucus to socialize Chicago's problems to the suburbs and essentially envelop the suburbs, which they've done. The suburbs uh, unwittingly participating in their own marginalization. But that's fine. Um, the director, the uh, officers of the Metropolitan Mayor's Caucus, maybe uh, residents of these communities like to uh, check in with their local leadership, see what they know, what conversations they've had, what uh, their posture is, what message they've sent to BLM Brandon uh, or to Jelly Belly, for that matter. Jelly Belly is the bigger target, literally and figuratively.
on this whole situation as he is trying to uh, dance his way uh, out of this without breaking a femur. Uh, and, 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 and again, as our friend Ted Dabrowski said on Tuesday, good line, Pritzker is competent at being incompetent, where Brandon Johnson is just generally incompetent. I'm not questioning his leadership. Don't you dare. Describing Mm -hmm. his results. So Metropolitan Mayor's Caucus, the chairman of the board, the executive board, uh, is Kevin Burns, the mayor of Geneva. Nancy Rotering is on the executive board. She's the insufferable mayor of Highland Park who desperately wants higher office. Any office, please. She's Please more desperate for high office than Jelly Belly was before he ran for governor, <laughs> uh, before he ran for Congress and then lost and then later. Mm. Uh, Jeff, Sher- the uh, Jeff Sherwin is the mayor of uh, North Lake. John okay. Noak is the mayor of Romeoville. These are the executive board members, along with Brandon Johnson. So what have those four suburban mayors said to Brandon Johnson? Anybody interested? I am. I'd like to hear it. Wouldn't you? Well, Oak Park was interested, but now they're kicking everybody out by the end of the month. Yeah, but what are the mayors that are communicating with Brandon Johnson saying? Don't I mean, if you're in the suburbs, do you care what posture your mayor is taking, your uh, local village or city council is taking? I would think you would. I would think you'd like to see it coming. Um, all these other mayors that are directors uh Grasso's involved, of course, Burr Ridge, and he's been really milk toast with his rhetoric. Um, uh, Mac uh, from Ringwood, uh, represent, along with the, the mayor of Cary, uh, Kownick, representing the McHenry Council, uh, County Council of Governments, mayors of Batavia and Geneva, the mm-hmm. Metro West Council of Governments, Highland Park, Barrington, Deerfield, representing the Northwest Municipal Conference. Richardson Park, Hazelcrest, South Suburban Mayors and Managers, Palos Hills and Palos Heights, Southwest Conference of Mayors, uh, as I said, North Lake and Hillside, West Central Municipal Conference, Romeoville and University Park, Will County Governmental League. It's a lot of communities covered. Anybody talking to Brandon Johnson? Because what, what kind of information have we had about it other than Gary Grasso running his mouth to try to middle the issue and posture? Well, we had the mayor of Elk Grove Village saying, I'm not going, yes. and I don't care what he said. 275 were originally invited. They were going to have a big party, remember, at the United Center? And then nobody was going to show up, so they canceled it. And when they did have it, only 25 showed up via Zoom. Yeah. And not one has come forward to offer space in their communities for shelters. Yeah, yeah well, that's that's one thing. I want to know what's being said. I want to know from whoever is communicating with Brandon Johnson and or Pritzker, what are you saying? So for those 25 mayors that were on that uh, Zoom call with Brandon Johnson, what was the conversation? Nobody's interested to know this? Oh, no, they're not talking. Oh, oh, oh have they been asked to talk? Uh, I know one reporter that was asking to talk, and the only one that's coming forward is the Burr Ridge mayor. But he's he just was mealy mouth and saying, you know, we're going to try and help, but we're, we've passed an ordinance you know, they're not going to take, they're not opening a shelter in Burridge. As of now, I mean, maybe uh, I'm they sorry, can I'm get sorry. to him. I'm, I don't know. I'm sorry. Grasso is complimentary of Brandon Johnson. Right, but that doesn't mean he's taking migrants. Uh, and uh, it, it doesn't mean that migrants shouldn't be forced upon him. Pritzker. Grasso, you want to be mealy-mouthed in, in uh, 
the conversation about uh, lawlessness, fine. As I said before, uh, we'll set up a tent city right in front of Capri at your fancy mall. How's that sound? How do you think the residents will go for that? Uh, I'm, I'm not asking anybody. Right, just do it. Why, why would? Why, why does? Since when does anybody get asked anything? We don't. Here in Chicago, all our public spaces are gone. 28 shelters are all full, and seven of them are park districts that are never coming back, Dan. Matt, I, Ma- Matt well, Mont Greenwood. Oh, they're talking behind closed doors for sure, but I had a suggestion. Since everybody's tearing down their hate has no uh, home here signs, perhaps we could use those signs for siding on these new shelters they can build in these small hills. Small yeah. That don't, I don't want a shelter like that. for free, Dan. It's a nice restaurant. It's a nice little getaway. You ruin it. You know, so that helps guys like me from Chicago who can't go to downtown restaurants head over to Burr Ridge and Capri. So let's leave that one out, all right? Yeah, all right. We'll put it in front of Topaz on the other side of the mall. Fine. <laughs> oh, dear. No, maybe that's, but that's no, the point. The, the that's point. point. This is the conversation we had the other day uh, about, uh, oh, you know, uh, stick it to the hate has no home here sign uh, sign wa- uh, waivers and posters and and to you know these uh, sanct- pro sanctuary city mayors and legislators and yeah okay um what about who you can actually get to who are complicit if not uh, explicitly then silently. This is my point about Trump at this stage telling Abbott, encouraging Abbott, can't tell him, but he could try to persuade him, stop sending migrants for the moment to Chicago and New York and send them to Lexington and Tulsa. Send a message to Mitch McConnell and send a message to Jim Langford about this surrender legislation they're trying to cobble together with Schumer in the Senate. Who, who can you get to on this issue? You think you're going to get to Brandon Johnson? You think Jelly Belly is going to reverse course? No, you get to people that you can get to that don't have a constituency that they're in servitude to on the matter. Have you seen anybody come off sanctuary city, sanctuary state designations? No. They're calling for more money. Locals call for money from the state. State calls for money from the feds, and round and round it goes. But nobody is coming off their position. What, what was Kamala Harris's uh, conversation in that, uh, that bootlicking interview that CNN granted her the other day? What's her uh, response to the migrant crisis at the border? And, of course, this is Biden administration policy. The response is more money to process migrants faster yeah. and a pathway to citizenship. And that's the position of the political power structure in Chicagoland and the state of Illinois. So who can you get to? Who can you get to? That's the way you should be thinking about it. Who is vulnerable to pressure? Who is vulnerable to inconvenience? Yeah, some of these uh, champagne socialists and Chardonnay Antifa in the suburbs who've just taken this rhetorical position because they're going with the flow and they didn't think it would be visiting their front yard. You can get to some of them. But um, these uh, some of these mayors that posture themselves as moderate to 
center right, even some conservative uh, businesses, the quality of life in your downtown. Uh, does BLM Brandon have a point when he says, I mean, he's not saying quite these words, but essentially, well, what about the quality of life in Chicago's downtown and how uh, much that has declined, again, at his own hands and the hands of previous mayors and city councils because of the policies they've chosen, both on this issue and so many others. Yeah, but, but why should they be the only downtown to see their quality of life decline? Why should the suburbs be exempt? They're pursuing the same policies. They support the same well, politicians. They for the same policy. Yeah, right. So why, why should uh, you be a no-go zone when it comes to impact downtown Glen Ellen? downtown Hinsdale, the mall in Burr Ridge off 83. Why? No, I, I don't think so. That's what I'd be doing if I was the opposition leader in Illinois, but we have no opposition. Oh. And we have no leaders across the board. Dan and Amy, Chicago's Morning Answer. Before you see it on TV, share it on Facebook or read about it in the paper. Hear it here first. This is Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560. The Answer. Hey, business owners, is your business and money in good hands? Does your bank invest in your success? Hi, Mike Gallagher here, letting you know that when you need a relationship bank, Signature Bank makes commercial banking personal. I love these guys. Not only do they have expansive industry experience, a strong financial track record, but they're also highly capitalized for strategic growth. That's so important. That's why Signature Bank is my bank. They know what it means to grow a business by designing solutions that are right for you and only you. These are real people. They're ready to help. So reach out to my friends at Signature Bank. Make the call today, 773-467-5630, 30, or visit them online at signaturebank.bank. That's signaturebank.bank. Your business could be Signature Bank's next success story. Go online, signaturebank.bank. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Signature Bank. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Nikki Haley for vice president. That's not uh, me saying it. That's someone much more important in conservative circles. So, you know, obviously I'll have to defer, you know, based on the pecking order, based on who people pay attention to. The uh, groupthink pundits and befuddled GOP Pauls and rinse and repeat conservative talk show hosts. I'm not a purity guy. I'm not sitting around arguing. Like, all I care about is winning. And Nikki Haley does do well with suburban women who are independent swing voters and the people that are persuadable. And I'm not sure at this point in time that you can point me to anyone that Trump would pick that would help him win the general election as a vice presidential candidate more than Nikki Haley, right? Let's consider. I like Elise Stefanik. I love the way she stood up to Harvard and MIT and Penn. I think she's pretty smart. I think she's a talented politician. I don't think she brings you anything new. 
I like Tim Scott. If you wanted to argue to me, oh, that he is going to help with the black vote, maybe I squint black men and can see that a little bit, but I don't think he really changes the dynamic very much. That's the new Rush Limbaugh, Clay Travis. So, I mean, if Clay Travis says so, uh, who am I or you to question? So it's it's uh, it's consensus there among conservatives now. Clay Travis has spoken. New Rush Limbaugh. Three one two six four two fifty six hundred turnkey dot pro answer line six four six three six da turnkey dot pro text line. There's your received wisdom for the day. Any disagreement? I, I don't. Well, I, I've always thought a Trump Nikki Haley ticket would be golden, and I know she's made some errors, and I know that she's just you know tongue in cheek when she does her interviews. It's all rehearsed, but. I think that she, I believe what Clay Travis is saying, she would help with independent suburban women. I mean, I have a friend who's, you know, doesn't like Biden anymore, who's like, I love Nikki Haley, I love Nikki Haley. Well, Nikki Haley obviously is not going to get the nomination, but if she put, if he put Nikki Haley on the ticket, might she be persuaded to vote for that? It's a possibility. I don't know. I mean, I thought Tim Scott was going to do it, you know, or going to be the VP because he recently got engaged. And then when I saw him the other night behind Trump and he spoke, I'm like, that's not it. That's not going to get the black vote. That's not going to persuade independent voters. Vivek, he's more of a vague. He's more of Trump. He's a Trump junior. So I just think that Nikki Haley would be a good option. Because she, because she, had, for it. because she has appealed to suburban women and, independent voters because you because of your friend you've extrapolated from your friend to the suburbs to the entire suburban independent slash female population well i know the democrats that i talked to they're not excited about biden mm-hmm. and harris god no yeah. and nikki yeah. haley would destroy kamala harris in a debate do you ever get the sense that nikki haley is kamala harris anybody get that sense or is it just me I mean, I know she's not running for second place. She's not running for VP. I know that. Right. Sure she isn't. You ever get the sense that uh, there's a little bit of a social climbing? I mean, I, this is not unique to Nikki Haley, but uh, and, and every politician has ambition. So it's not unique to her, but that's sort of my point about her. There's nothing that's unique about her. And I thought that's what we were looking for, change agents. Because uh, the argument that Nikki Haley's making, and DeSantis made and others, and, Ka- and Kamala's making quietly in her head, if Biden wins, I'm the next president. Nikki Haley, if Trump wins, I'm the next president. That's what they're thinking. That's the play for them. Well, that's normally the play for vice presidents. In I general, understand. I understand, but but so do you get the sense that Nikki Haley has a lot of Kamala Harris in her? Because there is no policy vision. There are positions taken that have sort of evolved and become consensus beltway positions over time that she repeats, as you just said, you just use the word rehearsed. Right, she's rehearsing her lines. She's not espousing her beliefs. There's a difference. So I, I ask again, is it just me or do you see, you know, one uh, female Paul playing identitarian politics melding into the other? 
And by the way, with respect to Clay Travis, I mean, you know, I mean, I have nothing against him, and I like it, that sports website he set up and all that jazz. But, um, you know, Nikki Haley is so popular, and Trump is so irreparably unpopular that Trump is doing better against Biden than Nikki Haley is. I know there's this uh, uh, talking point that has been repeated about Nikki Haley kills Biden and Trump, you know, barely beats him. She beats Biden by more. No, she doesn't. One poll does not the picture make. She doesn't. Real clear politics polling average. Just the numbers. But she's so wildly popular. Here's something else to consider with all the pundits who uh, the groupthink pundits, which include many on the so-called right. And include, you know, ciphers. I mean, you know, Clay Travis, like I said, he's a nice guy, but he's a cipher. And he's been you know, he's he is a surface skimming conservative, if you've ever heard or seen him. And so are so many of those conservatives, including those that have three and four hours a day to talk again. They're the kind of people that have written more books than they've read. They're produced. They're conjured up by the geniuses in, uh, you know, media, in conservative media, which are not necessarily always uh, any better judges of talent than the uh, larger media chieftains at the legacy brands, corporate media. But that's what he is. So, Clay, I'm sure I've never listened to the show because why? What's the point? Um, But I'm sure Clay Travis and Buck Sexton spend time decrying identity politics, cheap identity politics. The left plays that Kamala Harris plays. They 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 really their identity politics really ruffles them right up until they play it right up until they play identity politics. We need a woman to get women votes. You see how it works? Yeah, that's not how it works, actually. That's not how it works. And what you're arguing for, first of all, is a secondary choice that will matter significantly to a very small percentage of the population. That's just how it's always been. And it will be again, even with two octogenarians and all the qualifiers, it will be again. People are looking at right now. What is going to happen right now? What is going to happen right after November? What is going to happen when the next president takes office in January? I want my life improved right now. They're not playing geopolitical games based on people's competing ambitions the way that these groupthink pundits and surface-skimming conservative talk show hosts play. That's not how it works. But so play identity politics. Because all I want to do is win. Caring about winning. All I care about is winning. All I want to do is win. That's not the same thing as game planning for it. We're going to win by being better at their game. Identity politics. And my uh, promotion of Tim Scott, for example, isn't because he's black. It's despite the fact that he's black in the sense that I don't care. We're supposed to say I don't care that Nikki Haley is a woman or an Indian American woman. I don't care that Tim Scott is a black uh, a black uh, man in America, a black American. I don't, you know, and I wouldn't care if he was what. That's the whole point. You're supposed to you. You're supposed to say this is somebody that can get us beyond that. And Nikki Haley has demonstrated in this campaign that she won't. Now it's down to one man and one gal, ready for the first female president, reciting Hillary Clinton's tired lines from thirty years ago. 
Tim Scott's not running around uh, with the, you know, every sentence is prefaced with, as a black man, I think. As a black man, I can say. Do, I, I, do you want to continue to play identity politics or do you want to get away from it, is my point. We're going, we're going, we're going to use it just where we need it because all I care about is winning. That's not the way you win. And also winning to what ends? Thinking about that. So you want ultimately, yes, I want to rid ourselves of identity politics. But the way we're going to do that is by playing identity politics now and then setting up an identitarian politician to be the next president on our behalf after Trump. That makes sense. One step forward, three steps back. So at the same time, there's supposed to be I'm playing the, you know, the 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 the. you know, complicated, multivariate, two-dimensional, three-dimensional chess political game thinking about now, but also there. You're not doing either. You're just repeating what somebody else said. Who's repeating what somebody else said. Who's repeating the same thing that those somebody else has been saying for 30 years. Rather than listening to what people are actually saying out there in the hinterlands and reading the landscape. So you go ahead and, you know, fold in with Clay Travis because he's Rush Limbaugh 2.0. Sure. Text message, no, Amy and Dan, the true Trump voters will stay home if Trump chooses Nikki. John in Portage Park. Yeah, good morning. I'm of the opinion that Nikki Haley would jump that scumbag that made that phone call to that Senate lady Senate candidate in Arizona. I forgot their names. Uh, she would jump on that deal. That's the kind of person I think Nikki Haley is, and I think that uh, she, that lady Senate candidate in um, Arizona, would just maul um, Kamala Harris in a debate. I mean, worse than Nikki Haley could ever do. And I think that Amy, you're a little bit wrong this time on Nikki yeah, Haley. Her name's She's... Carrie Lake. Thanks for the call, John. Well, who do you think he should pick, Dan? Uh, I like Tim Scott. And it's not because I think he's going to get one or two points more of the black male vote. I don't care because that's not the way I want to play the game. And that's not the way we should want to play the game. I care because I think Tim Scott provides a nice contrast to to Trump in the way that Pence did temperament wise. Mm -hmm. I think that you look at Tim Scott and you watch him conduct himself and he's a classy individual and I think as people get more exposure to him, there'll be no question that uh, I'd, be, I'd feel comfortable with Tim Scott being president of the United States. I think he could do the job. I think he's, got, he's been around in uh, D.C. enough in Congress, in, in the House, and now the Senate, where he has, and he demonstrated during the debates, where he has some particular knowledge of the situation, you know, by the numbers, so to speak. He can speak it to the numbers. Um, is he a revolutionary? Uh, I don't, uh, that's not my impression of him, but I think, I think he is competent. I think he is classy. I think he inspires confidence. And yes, I notice that he's black and people notice that he's black and that is going to matter to some, but that's not why I would make that choice. That's not what I am trying to accentuate. He's a, an articulate spokesper- spokesman at the national level for school choice and has tried to move that flag at the federal level. Those are the things that matter. 
you know, maybe, maybe, you know, the pundits that are the groupthink pundits and the surface gaming conservatives could remember that uh, good policy is good politics since they like cliches so much. And that if you do things that are substantively important or pursue things that are substantively important and, are, you know, are willing to really go to the mat on them where they are die on the hill type issues, ride or die issues like school choice then that will build a constituency and rally people and inspire confidence and loyalty because this is somebody who said this is most important. I agree with him, and he went to battle on those issues. I mean, that's essentially why people, in in a large measure, why people like Trump, even if, you know, as a president, even if they don't like necessarily his demeanor all the time. Uh, it, 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 it's bewildering to me how... Uh, that lesson is so lost on so many. I don't like the guy personally. I don't want to hang out with him, and I'm voting for him. As opposed to the, you got to be the kind of guy or gal that people want to have a beer with. Yeah. Yeah, I like ability matters. But, you know, in precarious times, uh, somebody that's willing to take up my fight matters too. Probably more to a lot of people. Not everybody. But the whole, like, Nikki Haley can get uh, the Hinsdale communists to vote for. Yeah, um, she can't, number one. And number two, let's spend all our time walking away from people we have to try to get people we can't get. That's good game planning for a win. Uh, Tony Riverside. Good morning, Dan and Amy. Amy, really? I mean, you think really he'd get West Suburban women voters? No, not a chance. And I do know that most of my conservative friends have really come out and said, if he chooses her, I'm not voting Trump. And I like um, Tim Scott. I do like Tim Scott, Dan. I also think Vivek might bring in some of the younger vote, and they're, they're on the same page for a lot of issues. Um, and I, I still like Byron Daniels, too. Byron Donalds. Byron Donalds, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I like Byron Donalds, too. Um, I like Wesley Hunt from Texas. I mean, there are others, but I think Tim Scott has, thanks for the call, Tony, sort of, he, he's got more of a record now. I think there's more gravitas associated with him. But there, I mean, there are other young, talented Republican office holders out and around, there's no question, which is why this sort of uh, Nikki Haley blather that's emanating almost completely from inside the Beltway is just that. Here's something else, too. I mean, this should be obvious to people, even if you just have a passing interest in politics, even if you've never you know, been part of campaigns, run campaigns, all that stuff. Um, and I saw, and I like Mark Penn, and I think he's a good pollster, but Mark Penn, you know, like it or not, uh, Trump is going to have to get Nikki Haley voters. Yeah, that's right, Mark. And um, voters make different assessments when the matchups change. So some of those independents in New Hampshire who voted for Nikki Haley, along with mainly Democrats, uh, they may make a different assessment of Haley Trump uh, than they did Trump Biden. Okay, Something else, too. Um, Who is going to be in this position? Who is going to uh, advance this market position that Trump controls. 
which was key to him winning in 2016. This is Sean Fein, a.k.a. Sinn Fein, because he's an Irish communist, who's the president of the UAW. And he and you know and, and I don't know if I hate Weingarten more or him. Well, he's obnoxious too. But uh, he was there whipping the uh, the rank and file up with his Workers of the World Unite blather yesterday when the big guy came to accept his endorsement. But something he said on Neil Cavuto at the same time: Donald Trump is with the billionaires. Donald Trump is this. Donald Trump is that. Oh. He's uh, not for the working man. This and that. Then he went on Neil Cavuto. And said what? And said this. Union membership in the past was very strong for Ronald Reagan in both elections. Uh, George Bush Sr. benefited uh, from the union vote. Uh, many of your own members now, Sean, are, are very big Trump supporters. I don't know the breakdown. You know that far better than I. <laughs> but that a, a good many of them are at Trump rallies and are MAGA enthusiasts. How do you feel about that? Look, every, it's what makes this country, you know, a beacon for other countries. You know, it's, it's democracy in action. Um, look, let me be clear about this. A great majority of our members will not vote for President Biden. Uh, yes, some will. <laughs> what? <laughs> so who, who helps solidify that position of being the party of the working man? The party of the, and my preferred phrase, because I don't like that class business. Uh, people who play by the rules in this country, whether you're wearing a helmet to work or a suit, people who play by the rules in this country, the rules upon which this country was built. And look, I'm, I, I think I'm being you know, completely generous here too and selfless in terms of my selection of Tim Scott because I'm not holding the fact that he's getting married against him. That's how much I'm looking at the substance. Oh, you're so nice. Thank you. Uh, Jay in Yorkville, you're on Chicago's Morning Answer. Yeah, uh, Donald Trump values more than anything in a, in a VP running mate. He values loyalty. And I think the, the number one person who has uh, demonstrated their loyalty is Carrie Lake. Thanks and, for the call, Jay. Yeah, she's, she's, uh, she's on the she's list. Held, but she's never held office. Do you think that matters? Well, I, she's also running for Senate in Arizona. I know. By yeah. the way. So... I don't know, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure she wouldn't turn down an offer, but it may make more sense for her to run that Senate race in, in Arizona and him to select someone else. And also, I think, again, it's like Trump and Kerry Lake, Trump and Vivek. It's like kind of Trump times class. two. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah I, some, some contrasting in styles, I think, adds, um, you know, to the, to the appeal of the ticket. Yeah, but don't Jeff, you Oh, doesn't demographics play a part, though, too? I mean, don't you want somebody from the Midwest or the West Coast as opposed to, you know, Florida yeah. or South Carolina? Yeah. No, I, I mean, I, again, I think, I think you can certainly make those. Those can be considerations. But, uh, you know, yeah. there's been a, you look, Al Gore couldn't deliver Tennessee. Right. I mean, it's just oh, it's not true. it just doesn't work so neatly like that. Oh, of course, they're going to support the hometown boy. No, not exactly. And again, remember, people are still fundamentally looking at the principles, the presidential candidates. Jeff, Cal City. Oh, good morning, Dan and Amy. Amy, you said that Nikki Haley would help Trump with the white suburban woman voter. Well, let me tell you something. True conservatives realize that the white suburban college-educated woman voter, RB movie-loving person, is 
the reason why the country is in such terrible straits as we are in right now. Thanks, Jeff. Grant Rockford. Good morning, you guys. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton, they are not worthy to light Rush Limbaugh cigars. Um, your first caller had it right. Um, people be, they would, uh, Voters would abandon Trump if he went with the establishment, the pick. And can I throw out one, one name I've heard a little bit about, but I think would be perfect, Ben Carson. Yeah, he's oh, yeah. been mentioned. He's been mentioned. I, I, Thanks for the call, Grant. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Hey, we got to get that uh, skateboard rock out of the out of the bumper music. I know uh-huh. Justin keeps insinuating it in there, but that's just that's just terrible, terrible '90s skateboard music. Well, George Hoffman's in for Justin. I'm but... I'm aware of this, but um, yes. I'm putting. I know Justin finger Justin's fingerprints are all over that, and I'm so I'm making a declarative <laughs> statement to the public. So when okay. that music disappears, they'll give me proper credit. Uh, but by the way, uh, per our VP discussion, you know, I'm Amish texter texted in. Why does nobody mention Sarah Huckabee Sanders? And um, I agree. We have mentioned her before. I, I agree that she's on the list and should be. And I'd be fine with her. I, I'd probably put her right below Sarah Huckabee Sanders, uh, right below Tim Scott, uh, Sarah Sanders, in terms of my rankings, my personal rankings. She'd yeah, be a I'll, great compliment to Trump. Yeah, she's I think worked so. with him before. She's governed. She's, you know, she's like a surgeon. She's just cool and calm, and she's she's accomplished. Yeah, yeah, I She'd like that. Good. I like that, and I do like that. But more, even even more now that she's an executive, as you say, governor. Yeah, Ben Carson is too nice. Dan and Amy, he needs the toughness of Carrie Lake. Mm, I think Trump's tough enough on his own. Uh, all right. Well, let's uh, talk about uh, toughness when it comes to border security. Uh, <laughs> you're not going to get it for the Biden administration. They've made that pretty clear. And uh, Martha McCallum did a pretty good job yesterday when NSC spokeshuman John Kirby came on to parrot the administration's posture on the border. I mean, this was really something. Um, I don't know who they think they're convincing uh, with uh, these fork-tongued spokeshumans trying to tell you uh, – that what you're seeing, what's being reported, is uh, more or less under control. And to the extent it isn't, you know, we got to get uh, Congress to work with us. So it's all the House Republicans' fault. Good luck selling that. President Biden has, since the very beginning, since day one, been concerned about our immigration policy and, and calling for reform. Um, he does agree that there needs to be changes in the way we process. And, and we have created additional legal pathways, but there's obviously uh, more that can be done, not only to create legal pathways, but to enforce the laws that are in place uh, and whatever new laws come of this. Uh, so that we can uh, crack down on illegal immigration. I think he shares those concerns about the need for serious reform. He also believes that part and parcel of this effort has got to be extra border security, and that's why uh, a significant part of, of his supplemental request did include specific funding for border security to include additional Border Patrol agents. He's serious about it. Um, Martha McCallum suggested... I don't think people get a sense that he has a sense of urgency about it. Oh, contraire. 
He's serious, and he has the first ur- fierce urgency of now, Martha. I don't think he's lacking any sense of urgency about the need for border security at all. And he has taken some executive actions, such as putting, you know, uh, U.S. troops down there to help take off some of the border patrol, uh, some of the, some of their tasks uh, and some of their responsibilities, so that they can focus on immigration uh, work itself. Um, and this uh, issue over the wire was actually one of the reasons we opposed it was so that it could, it could allow the border patrol to get access. Uh, uh, to uh, to the river itself, so that they could do their jobs. Uh, but there's, there's there's no lack of sense of urgency here on the importance of, of working on the border. But look, executive action can only go so far. Yes, see the House, those House Republicans. Now uh, the good news is that uh, hey, we're uh, making progress in the Senate. No, you're not. Well, we hope we are. We're going to say we are. Uh, and um, this is a good back and forth. So that, my, as you heard those two answers, as you're probably getting frustrated listening to John Kirby, yes. so is Martha McCallum on your behalf. And uh, so this was a good exchange that she had to further embarrass John Kirby, who has basically bargained away all of his self-respect in continuing to serve this administration. I don't think that people sense that there is an urgency to address this. Well, in fact, I, I talked to lots of voters over the past few weeks who said no. they think the opposite has happened. And they're trying to figure out why the president wouldn't do what he can to stop it. Well, that's why I'm glad I'm here with you, so I can try to explain some of that. I mean, he has taken some executive actions, but there's a limit to what executive action can do, and we really need support from Congress. We really need additional legislative action here, new laws, and quite frankly, on day one, he put forward a new immigration reform proposed legislation that hasn't been acted on. So we gotta we got to act in partnership with uh, with Congress, and I'll tell you, the, the discussions uh, that we're having on the Senate side, they're progressing well. I won't get ahead of it, uh, but... Uh, uh, but but they're they're moving yeah. along well and we're negotiating. No, in not, good I mean faith. they're not. I, I mean they're not is what we're hearing that that they're <laughs> they're her. not really moving along well. And you know you say that he's been concerned about it for three years, but that's failing obviously because when you have well, look, record think, numbers think, of people coming in, that means the policy's I, failing. So why not change gears and think, try to do something that works? I think it's important to put this in context, too, Martha. You're seeing, as you rightly said, record numbers of people, and it's not just the United States that are facing that pressure. Some, uh, Lots of countries in the hemisphere, including Mexico, is facing a lot of pressure at their own southern border. I mean, there are more people on the move in this hemisphere right now than there has been since World War II, and it's a lot John, of do we reasons have a border? Do we have a southern border? Do we have a what? Do we have a southern border? Yes, ma'am. Of course we then do. Then how come people can flow across it every single day? We Hundreds are and thousands very, of people over the court, 300,000 people in December. We're working very hard to try to fix that, Martha. That's why we need congressional action. That's why the president <laughs> asked for additional funding, oh more than, you know, $6 billion <laughs> in the supplemental to try to get border security enhanced. I mean, I think we, I, you and I are obviously not going to see uh, the, the policy solutions the same way, and I respect that. Well, I'm just that. looking for but results. Idea, I'm saying if, if you're idea, concerned about the number of people the, crossing, you're not getting results. The idea so at some point you have to say we got to do something different. Well, the idea no, that we, we haven't looked at this and tried to work on this and trying to work in, in concert with, with Congress is just not true. We are. This is a complicated issue, and it's going to require a real team approach, not just from the executive <laughs> branch, but from approach. the legislative branch as well. Hey, uh, uh, teamwork team makes approach. the dream work. <laughs> Wait, what did you say? <laughs> teamwork makes the dream work, right, John? Yeah, come on, everybody. <laughs> I mean, man, you got to really be... Uh, Really, I, I don't know what sort of mental state you have to be in in order to buy what John Kirby is trying to sell. I really don't. Uh, the only thing that could save the Biden administration on this issue are, of course, Senate Republicans. 
<laughs> only, 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 you know, there's there's one group of people that can get Biden out of this imbroglio. The Republican Party. Senate Republicans in particular. <laughs> Mitch McConnell in particular. Mitch McConnell and Jim Langford. And so a uh, sensing... That things, whether they're going well or not going well, they're not going the way that McConnell and Langford want them to go. That's the good news. But it doesn't mean they're not trying. And so um, because that is going on and because, rightfully, this got reported and now Senate Republicans are feeling the ire of the public as they damn well should. Yeah. Ted Cruz. for us. Ted Cruz, Rick Scott, and some of the... Uh, members of the Senate Republican Caucus not on board with the surrender deal that McConnell and Lankford are attempting to negotiate with Pagliacci Schumer took to the uh, podium yesterday. And Ted Cruz had this to say. This bill is not designed to fix the problem. This bill normalizes 5,000 people a day coming in. 5,000 people a day is over 1.8 million a year. That's called an invasion. By the way, under Joe Biden, we've had 9.6 million. So the great Republican compromises were for two-thirds of Joe Biden's open borders. <laughs> we'll let in 6 million instead of 9 million. Yeah. Now, that's something you can rally around. We're only going to let in 6 million. Vote Republican. 312-642-5600. Turnkey.pro answer line. 64636DA. Turnkey.pro text line. I, I, I love that riff from Cruz, and in part because, of course, it recalls one of my favorite comments oh, yeah. uh, about the Republican Party from a Republican in the history of the Republic. And that was outgoing. I've, I'm sure I've shared this before because it's just so good. Outgoing United States Senator Malcolm Wallop from what, Wyoming. Before he retired in 92, in advance, fortunately, he wasn't around for the Gingrich Revolution. But, you know, this is in 92, before the Gingrich Revolution. This was when it was the party of Bob Michael and Bob Dole. So you can imagine, like, you know, Mitch McConnell's 1.0 back then. And uh, Malcolm Wallop said, you may, let me tell you what the problem in Washington is. If the Democrats introduce a bill to burn down the Capitol... Republicans would compromise and agree to phase it in over three years. <laughs> exactly. That's that is the the McConnell Langford proposal. <laughs> yeah, you, you, ten you know ten million from Biden. We're only doing six. We're only doing six. We're fixing the problem. That's leadership. Uh, Cruz went on to rip these GOP leaders a little bit more. This bill represents Senate Republican leadership waging war on House Republican leadership. It's not designed to secure the border, and it won't secure the border. And that's why leadership wants it kept in secret. They don't want anyone to see the text of it. Republicans in the Senate ought to have the sense and sanity to say, secure the border, or else we're not going to go along with providing fig leaves to cover up the deliberate failure of Joe Biden and the Democrats. They have caused this crisis. And, you know, the response I read from Langford is, uh, you know, uh, you should read the bill before uh, you make a judgment on it and uh, don't believe everything you read on the Internet. Uh, you know what, Senator? Um, here's the way uh, we can make a judgment on the merits of it. If you want us to read the bill, 
uh, put the draft out? Why don't you put the draft out? Why don't you tell us, uh, in terms of what's been reported, what is correct and what is incorrect, as opposed to just do this, hey, yeah, 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 wait until you read the bill, or we're still working it out, or don't believe everything you read. That's not a response. That's a deflection. I wonder why. Tom and us, we go. You're on Chicago's Morning Answer. Good morning, Dan and Amy. And you asked who is Kirby trying to reach with these comments or who is he trying to convince? He doesn't even need to convince a lot of the people. My, my brother has a neighbor who is so over-the-top crazy. You cannot talk to these people. Um, I, I, I really believe that we need to start getting caravans of illegal immigrants, drug users, just the worst of the worst, set up pen encampments in front of all these people's homes. I don't know what's going to change it if they can't see in front of their face the problems this is causing. My, my two older boys, very smart, college-educated kids, you could see every day this is starting to affect them now. And it's starting to irritate me. I don't even know why I get up and go to work every day. Because the more I earn, the more they take and the more disappears into the ether. I'll tell you, there is a... Uh, frustration growing and it's been growing but i hear it getting louder and louder i don't know where it's going to go and i hope (laughs) i hope calmer heads solve this problem but we are in for a world of hurt coming up thanks for the call tom it's interesting you say that about young people i played uh golf the other day um with a buddy of mine and his his 26 year old son who's working and living in the Mm -hmm. city and he was talking about how like he and his friend group starting to pay more attention what's happening in the city of Chicago and the quality of life they thought they were going to have enjoying the city as, you know, 20 somethings like we did back in the day. And that's not happening for all sorts of obvious nope. reasons. We've spent a lot of time talking about. And so it was just interesting to get his perspective about, you know, people are tuning, you know, my cohort, my age group, they are tuning in. They are understanding things. They are seeing the disconnect between what politicians at the local and federal level say and what they're seeing and experiencing in their daily lives. And so um, perhaps they they are getting more engaged, too, in a constructive way. So I just, you know, again, it's just an anecdote, but like Tom shared, but I think it is I think it is interesting. I, I you know, it's refreshing. What, well, you know, it, it is. I mean, these are no longer abstractions. They're no longer esoteric policy debates. Not when you see. Um, you know, migrant shelters uh, riddled through uh, your community, right. for example. Like right by Wrigley Field is this beautiful landmark, and then you have these people living in squalor outside the 19th district just a block down. And you don't think people see that? They they do see it, and young kids are seeing it. I mean, my boys were this summer like, what is going on here? Yeah. Like, well, welcome to your new Chicago. And my niece lives here. She's 26. She's like, no, we talk about it at work. We talk about safety concerns. We talk about, you know, people relieving themselves on the streets. That didn't yeah. happen. I don't remember that happening when we were in our 20s, yucking it up down here. So, I mean, they're slowly waking up. So, yeah. just have to well, keep, you know, remind them, too, the follow-up is, and you have a voice in this because you can vote. Welcome to hell, high, plane, high plains drifter, that is. Yeah. No, that's right. Back when you and... Your uh, Lincoln Park Trixie Posse were, uh, you know, tripping the light fantastic at Cafe Barbaria. You didn't see guys defecating on the sidewalk in front of you, did you? No, we didn't, sister. Not back in our day. <laughs> Sidewalks were poop-free. Clean. It was a better yep. time. 
Paul and Michigan Sherry. Michigan Avenue was vibrant. It was beautiful. Oh. Yeah. Storefronts didn't have SUVs in the middle of them. Uh, Paul and Carrie are on Chicago's Morning Answer. Morning, guys. You know, I just want to allude to the previous caller, what he was saying, the growing frustration. Uh, even I'm uh, starting to go on the Democrat side. This is a golden opportunity for the Republicans. Let it go. Let it go all the way until November. Let them more, let them more in. Let more in. This is an opportune time for the Republicans now. Do not drop the ball. Do not even negotiate on this matter. I don't understand why the money is marcaving to this. This is crazy. Thanks for the call, Paul. Chuck and Delavan. Read your Constitution. Uh, Congress is in charge of naturalization and immigration, and it states it exactly the way I just said it. Paul Ryan sacrificed our country when Donald Trump was the president and didn't give him the $28 billion to seal off the border. This is Paul Ryan's fault. We've given the, the Ukrainians $300 billion. So just letting everybody know, sorry, don't want to be the bearer of bad tidings. Thanks for the call, Chuck. Dan and Amy, Chicago's Morning Answer. Connect with Dan and Amy on the AM560, The Answer mobile app. Just text the word APP to 64636 to download the app today. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. This uh, case... uh, Hasn't really gotten the attention it otherwise deserves because of everything going on in presidential politics and at the border. But um, last week, a U.S. Navy petty officer pled guilty to conspiracy and bribery for providing highly sensitive military information to the Chinese government. Yeah, that's still a no-no. Uh, he received about 15 grand and 14 separate payments from a agent of the Chinese Communists in exchange for details on America's military security, training exercises, and military infrastructure. I guess the spy balloon wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. Um, the documents included photos and videos detailing the operation of Navy ships and, over- and an overseas military installation. And apparently the uh, the asset of the Chinese Communists was trying to get him to amp up his espionage um, before, I guess, he was discovered. He's only getting uh, uh, two years. Two years was his sentence. What? Yeah. Two years or so, uh, a uh, military officer who commits an act of espionage on behalf of the Chinese Communist government gets two years, and Grandma who was welcomed into the U.S. Capitol by Capitol Police, but did trespass, uh, gets pretrial detention in three years. And you wonder why people are losing faith in our criminal justice system. For more on this topic, we're pleased to be joined by Joseph Moreno, former federal prosecutor with DOJ in the National Security Division former staff member with the FBI's 9-11 Review Commission and a U.S. Army combat vet. Joseph Moreno, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Dan, good morning. Great to be with you. So, um, yeah, you wrote about this uh, case of the Chinese communist spy, um, you know, as a former federal prosecutor and, uh, and as well as a combat veteran. 
Um, what is your, I mean, I understand from your piece that you thought this was remarkably lenient, but what's your explanation for why it was? Well, I mean, Dan, I think you're correct that this case is not getting the attention it deserves. And just to take a step back for a minute, I mean, every presidential administration has the right to set its law enforcement priorities. So in the past, maybe it's been white collar crime or organized crime or violent crimes in the inner cities. But in the last 20 years, particularly since 9-11, national security law enforcement has been a top priority of just about every administration since then, uh, to the point where they even broke off an entire division within the Justice Department, the National Security Division. They staffed it with over 100 federal prosecutors whose sole purpose is to focus on counterterrorism and counterespionage cases. So fast forward 20 years now, we're under the Biden administration, and like you pointed out, you have an active-duty Navy sailor who is selling real-time information about military bases overseas, military exercises, so basically the time and place where sailors will be operating in the Pacific, photos, video recordings, basically real-time information. And this wasn't a one-time sale. This is 14 different transactions between this petty officer and a Chinese official. And what does he get, to your point, 27 months and a $5,000 fine. I mean, the fine doesn't even equal the $15,000 he received in exchange for the information he sold to the Chinese. Well, you know, the so, government just government just wants its, you know, one-third cut, just wants to wet its beak, I guess, you know, like normal. Exactly, right? Yeah. But so, I mean, it, 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 well, just just on that, though, so, so here's the thing I, I, I suspect uh, his attorneys argued, but you tell me, you know, this was not information that compromised national security. This was low-level information. This is information the Chinese communists probably had anyway, and so on and so forth. He's only getting paid a thousand bucks here and a thousand bucks there. This isn't high-level Richard Hansen type stuff. Um, but well, obviously, we we also know from the case file that this was you know sort of a grooming by the Chinese communist operative to get him you know producing information and then let's level up to get more and more sensitive information. So I, I just I, I don't conceive how DOJ uh, was satisfied with you know this sentence. Like there's there's it said doesn't there's it doesn't seem to me there's like any mitigating circumstances is my point. Well I guess the one one point that the defense has made is the information wasn't officially classified. So that's why he wasn't charged under the Espionage Act. He kind of wriggled through and said, well, there's no classification stamp on the idea that an exercise will be held at this time and place. There's no classification regarding the details of a Navy base in the Pacific Ocean. So that's how they kind of wrangled out of it. But, but we know where this was going. We know where this was going, to my point. Absolutely. I mean, th what bothers me is this isn't just some old classified file that someone pulled out of storage, dusted off and sold to the Chinese. This is yeah. real time information. This is putting our military service members lives at risk right now. And like you say, this was building to something else. So it starts here, it starts with photographs, it starts with low level information. But we all know where it goes. And so I think that's the danger here. And what is this signaling? I mean, 27 months 
compared to, like your point, 9-11 rioters who are getting years and years in prison? J6, J6. J6, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. So yeah. I don't even see how it compares, frankly. Well, what does this do for the reputation of the Department of Justice, if they even have a reputation anymore? Well, Amy, I think that it, it just shows where their priorities are. And, and, and you know, they, they hired over 100 federal prosecutors just to prosecute the J6 instance. And yet here you have an actual national security danger, and clearly it's not getting the attention it deserves. And a couple of warning signs jump out here at me. Either the case was mishandled, and this was the best the government could get because something was done wrong. I don't know why it was charged by federal prosecutors rather than military prosecutors. That's also a red flag. That's, again, something's not quite right here. And apparently the government only asked for 36 months. So it wasn't even like this was the judge that kind of got out of control and gave a low sentence. This was actually in the ballpark of what the government asked for. So they didn't even really shoot very high for this whole case. Uh, another matter, too, I mean, since you have some breath on the topic, um, Paul Sperry for Real Clear Investigations is reporting that we have another potential sweetheart deal the Department of Justice has arranged uh, with respect to a tax scoff law. Not quite... Uh, the same uh, facts set as with Hunter Biden, but still former IRS contractor Charles Littlejohn. He's the one who stole and helped publicize the confidential tax records of Donald Trump and 7,500 other wealthy Americans. Ken Griffin, who actually sued the IRS over this and good for him for doing so. He, he is looking at little, maybe no jail time when he's sentenced later this month because the DOJ allowed him to plead to a single felony count. Obviously, he did this 7,500 times. Um, and the original plea deal uh, in the pre-sensing report uh, was a, a range of four to ten months in prison. And they argue in part because he leaked the, re the reams of stolen private income tax data to reputable news organizations like the New York Times and ProPublica. First of all, they're not reputable. But secondly, even if they were reputable news organizations... Well, what the hell does that matter? <laughs> I mean, you, oh, you, because you, the, the ends justify the means since you were trying to publicize Donald Trump's tax returns to a reputable news organization. That's a mitigating circumstance. I mean, so, again, now we have the combination of the IRS like we've been dealing with for the last decade since Joe Obama terms one and two with the 501c3 scandal uh, under uh, uh, Lois Lerner and company, and now and and uh, now to Hunter Biden, and now to this. So it's the combination of DOJ and I and DOJ and IRS colluding to cover each other's asses. Yeah, Dan, you're spot on. I mean, there's no carve out for providing things to newspapers and saying, "Well, it's okay." I mean, I can think of very few things more corrupt than an insider in the government who we trust with information, whether it's classified military information, whether it's tax information, for them to abuse that trust and release that information, whether it's for personal gain, whether it's for political gain, because they think they are airing something to the public that should be known. The fact is, it is so wrong. And again, this is such a poor example of allowing someone to get off with a slap on the wrist, where this should be taken so much more seriously because this signals to me now that other people will be yep. willing to do this because they'll see there's not much consequence to it. You know, it reminds me of the old Yakov Smirnov joke. In America, uh, you protest government. In Soviet Russia, government protests you. 
And uh, that's what we have here. We have government protesting us in Soviet America. Yeah, Dan, sadly, I am old enough to remember those jokes. So, yes, I, uh, I fully get it. <laughs> Joseph Moreno. Yeah, I, I always try and work off work in Yakov Shmirnov where I can. Joseph Moreno, former federal prosecutor, DOJ in the National Security Division, former staff member with the FBI's 9-11 Review Commission and a U.S. Army combat veteran. Joseph Moreno, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Thanks, Dan. Good to be with you. Thank you. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. Hear about the big stories of the day. Then talk about them right here on Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. You know, I really got to get my health certificate updated and get my instrument rating because uh, first we had uh, that uh, door assembly fly off the Alaska Air flight. And then we had uh, bolts missing on that Virginia Atlantic flight. And then a passenger looked out the looked out the window and saw that bolts were missing on the wing. Yeah. Uh, hey, are there supposed to be bolts here? Excuse um, me, ma'am. I, I love the Virgin Atlantic response too, which is like uh, it was only like four of the twenty-three required yeah. bolts, so the wing wouldn't have fallen off. Great. <laughs> Glad to hear okay, that. Okay, great. Um, can I have a napkin with my drink? Thank you. Uh, how about uh-huh. how about that pre-flight check? Do you guys still do that? Uh, anyway, uh, now we've got this Delta flight having a little problem oh right before takeoff in Atlanta. Did you see that? Seven five on the runway just lost a nose tire. What? Delta seven nine thanks for that. Delta nine eight two tower sounds like we've got a problem. Uh, yeah, it looks like we'll try to taxi clear if we could. Delta nine eight two Roger. Um, if you'd like, start your taxi down the runway and just let me know. Roger that. Delta 982, this is the aircraft looking at you. you. One of your nose tires just came off. It just rolled off the runway uh, behind you. <laughs> All right, tell you what, let me uh, talk so to me, maintenance tower. Uh, uh, let me, have, jump uh, out I'm and grab contact that. our maintenance folks and see if we can get a tow in. Stand by one, please. Let me get a Roger, jack. Uh, tower, this is Delta 1783. You may want somebody to come out. It looks like the nose tire ran off the runway towards the end down there. Yeah, so, I mean, what, you don't have a donut? Uh, throw on that thing? Let's go! Gotta get out of get Atlanta. Spare tire. Uh, interestingly, uh, so, yeah, they put the donut on it, mm. and the flight took off, and uh, this is what happened when it landed at its destination. Flight 209, now arriving, gate 8. Gate 9. Gate 13, gate 14, gate 15. So it's fine. Nothing to see here. And I have seen that movie, Dan. I have seen Airplane, okay? Very good. I'm glad. Glad to hear that. Coming up on Chicago's Morning Answer. And you saw the sequel, The Lunar Shuttle? No. The what? Uh, You you didn't see the Airplane 2? No. Well, now you have to watch. Now you have something else to watch in addition to The Godfather. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Uh, last week, uh, we brought you this uh, riff from a Naperville city councilman named Josh McBroom talking about uh, the migrant matter and how the city of Naperville might respond to it, at least in part, as uh, all these suburban communities around Chicago, of course, grappling with what to do, particularly where you have essentially 
communities that are mostly dominated by leftists who are pro-sanctuary city, pro-open borders, but not pro the consequences in their front yard. That's the the, the issue. So um, Councilman uh, Josh McBroom came up with what I thought was a, a brilliant solution. I think he solved the problem because, of course, if you give these people an opportunity to live their values, they will, won't they? In light of the fact that, you know, I, I'm not going to support, you know, using other people's money to house or aid, um, I do know that there's a lot of people that do care. And I, I think we live in a compassionate community. Um, so, you know, before we go down the road of, you know, doing what, you know, following suit on some of these other cities are taking action on, um, you know, my, my idea would be let's, let's find out. Let's find out who's willing to help, you know. So, you know, we do hear from constituents on both sides of this. What are we going to do to preemptively stop this? And then we hear from people that tell us we should do more. So, you know, we do have a a, a very affluent community, a lot of big homes. And um, what I'd like to do is direct staff to create a sign-up sheet. So, you know, for individuals that would be willing to house migrant families. Um... And if there's people that would do that, God bless them. Um, so if we could raise, raise awareness in that way, um, I think we need to find out. I think we need to find out who would be willing to house migrant families. And uh, so that, that would be my new business. I'm, I'd be looking for you know, support from, from the dais. Ah, I thought that was a um, wonderful uh idea that Josh McBroom had and of course uh, everybody with some time now passed since he made that suggestion and directed staff to cobble together a sign-up sheet we'll see how many names are on that sheet how we're doing there in the city of Naperville maybe what that uh, could mean for other communities who haven't yet um, you know considered such a simple solution as a sign-up sheet to this uh, this problem of people being dropped off in Illinois. For more on this, please be joined by the aforesaid Naperville City Councilman, Josh McBroom. Josh, thanks for being with us. Appreciate it. Hey, Dan. Thanks a lot for having me on. Love so, the piece the other day. What's that? I love the piece you did on it. Oh, I thank you. Thank you. Um, so, uh, yeah, so uh, obviously people are anxious to hear um, – how is it coming with the sign-up sheet? Uh, any families you'd like to highlight, offer thanks? It's weird, Dan. Um, you know, during the last presidential race, we had thousands of Biden signs in uh, in Naperville. Um, the, the town went 20-plus points for him. Mm-hmm. Um, we've, got, we've got houses all over town that advertise their support for this mass migration of illegals. They have signs that say no human is illegal. And since I proposed this, I haven't had a single person ask me, like, hey, where's the sign-up sheet? I, I, I want to sign the sign-up sheet. I'm, I'm ready to sign my house up for the sign-up sheet. It's really uh, uh, shocking. Do you think Not it's one is, person is, has come forward well, to it, sign up? Is it a problem? Is the sign-up sheet not posted uh, uh, ubiquitously enough? I mean, you know, is it... Has there not been enough profile, you think? Uh, people just don't appreciate the opportunity is out there? Yeah, I, I don't know if my, my city council is going to have the appetite to actually put together a list. Um, it, it, this went viral. I mean, I, it's, I'm, I'm going to be on Fox News today at, at 1. Um, 
And you're welcome. I, I think, they, yeah, you're right. Um, I, I think my deadpan delivery might have been a little too good. Um, and uh, was I being provocative? Uh, yeah. But you know what? It, maybe it's time to be pro- provocative. Um, was I bluffing? Not really. You know, th- these are the people that voted for this, and we've got a major problem. We've got thousands of illegals coming into the area, and they're homeless in the middle of winter. I didn't vote for this. I didn't, and I'm not going to spend any taxpayer dollars on this. So here's an idea. You voted for this. You sign up. You, you be, be part of the – be the change, like you said, Dan. And uh, a so, lot of people, a lot of people on the right missed it, and they're coming at me. They don't, they don't see it. I think they're starting. To, so, so when did you have the aha moment? Like, think, you know, think, you know what? I'm going to bring this up at city council meeting. Um, you know, we are getting constituents that are. I, it's in the news every day, right? And we've been large. Right. We've been silent on it. And we're a major city, and it's like, when are we going to talk about this? And um, I've been thinking about it for a while, and I'm like everybody else. Like, in, in private conversation, we're like, why don't these people bring them in their house? I'm like, you know what? I can say it in public. And I'm just going to say it in public, and I'm going to get this conversation going. And if people misunderstood what I said, and they think I'm some, you know, bleeding heart that's inviting immigrants, that's fine. I don't care. I can take the arrows. But at least there's a conversation now. And I don't know how you're going to get these leafy, suburban, hate-as-no-home crowd to get motivated to call their reps Besides putting it in the lap, put it in their neighborhood. Put the, I think conservatives do this wrong. Put it in their neighborhood. It's, you know, hey, open your house. you got a lot of people, I, I bet you, in blue, blue areas all over the country, like, oh, my God, are we talking about putting them in my house? I wasn't talking about my house in my neighborhood. And, and I'm, so I'm happy that conversation's happening. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's time to put it in their lap. That's how you do it. And and so the, the reaction from um, the uh... – city elders of Naperville, uh, your colleagues on the city council, your um, legislators like Janet uh, Yang, Rohr, um, uh, Anna Stava Murray. She has a little piece of Naperville, doesn't she still? I don't know, after the remap. But, um, you know, but yeah, I mean, I, all all the yeah. leading lights, um, they, they're jumping on this chance that they're going to help circulate. I mean, has the door-to-door campaign started yet or... I, yeah, I thought Sava Murray would be the first one to sign up. I have not heard from her. Yeah, so yeah, it really, yeah, it really flopped in that way, right? No, nobody really wants a list. They don't want to do this. I asked. Uh, I mean, I, I had to clarify when I posted uh, the clip that we pulled from the council meeting on 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 social media. I had to explain to a couple of conservatives. They thought, yeah, as you were just saying, they thought, wait, are you? what is he trying to do here because it was so deadpan but it's pretty i I knew what you were doing and i think most people got it and um have you gotten any um blowback because now some of the otherwise dense residents maybe colleagues on the city council understand that you were ridiculing them or and what i mean ridiculing them in the sense that um, you're a hypocrite, and everybody should know that you're a hypocrite. Yeah, um, the, the the progressives in town are quiet. They saw what I said, and they want no part of it. So mm-hmm. we're not really hearing from them. It's it's the conservatives that misunderstood. Um, you know, they're like, "Why are you doing a sign up sheet?" I'm like, you guys, did you see Martha's Vineyard? No <laughs> yeah, one's right. signing the sign up sheet. Right. No one's signing it. Yes. <laughs> It's a challenge. And, and as you say, if if uh, I mean, we've been making this challenge from the outset of this, too, it's open your homes. Uh, 
right? Uh, and and uh, and and show us what a welcoming community looks like, and put those who would be unwelcoming to shame, and so on and so forth. And yet, that's just a just just a little too far to uh, require any sort of substantive action in furtherance of their stated beliefs. It seems they're not going to do it. Right. And that's the point. And, uh, yeah, well, it's been fascinating to see the reactions. Well, what about, uh, just generally speaking, uh, maybe like setting up a, a migrant camp on the river walk or something like that? Um, you know, cause, cause obviously you have a train station. Um, so there's no need. I mean, you heard BLM Brandon yesterday. Look, um, and you've heard it before, sanctuary state. There's no need to be uh, sending everybody in the suburbs down to the city. They can stay in the suburbs. Suburbs can be part of the solution to this housing crisis that we have, because that's all it is, is a housing crisis. And so, um, and I mean, maybe uh, maybe Riverwalk, uh, maybe outside the the Gibsons in Naperville. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, just some, just some, I'm just spitballing like you. Yeah. It's a great idea. And, and you know, you can do it. You can do this tactic all the time if people get it. You know, it's like affordable housing. Okay. You want low-income housing? Great idea. Tell them they're not doing enough. You know, how about we put a high-rise Section 8 right downtown Naperville, right by your neighborhood? Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to yeah, tell so. conservatives. You put it in, put them in the position. Right. Well, you how want... many busloads have you gotten since this whole thing started? You know? I believe six in the last several weeks. So, yeah, I mean, it's. It's right all around us, and uh, they're passing through right now. But, you know, you heard Mayor Johnson. He's fighting with Pritzker now. I mean, you can't even make this stuff up. And, like, when are the suburbs going to help out? It's like, no. We, well, I, what, we, didn't, we didn't say well, we're a sanctuary city. Well, are you worried well, that Governor Abbott's going to send more your way because of what you said? I saw, it was, you know, somebody post on social media, like, you know, send them all now to Naperville. Right. Yeah. I mean, we got people contacting them and be like, hey, this is – you know they're listening. And they're like, "Oh, here's some liberal in, in uh, blue blue Illinois, and and he's inviting them. Let, let let's send some buses." So yeah, well, it's America's uh, best community. I'm always told. So oh, right. you know, I mean, what what could be more welcoming than that? Showing off the best that America has to offer, Naperville. Right. Um, okay. Right. It, so, uh, what, 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 but where is the mayor and the city council on this? And 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 maybe the next thing in terms of the polite challenge you offer with the sign-up sheet is to challenge them to um, stop passing the buck. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't want to I, I don't want to talk about my colleague. I, I will just tell, tell you that it, it, I've I'm it went viral and they kind of want it to go away. Yes, and they just don't want it. Then, right. Right. Don't make it go away. Keep your head. Yeah, everybody, just keep. Let just just nobody move. Keep your head down. Stay stay quiet. And maybe they won't come for us. Oh, that's brilliant. No, I love it. All right, Josh McBroom, Aperville City Councilman. Um, uh, we uh, look forward to more provocations from you at uh, the next uh, at forthcoming city council meetings. But uh, well done, well done. Keep it up. Thanks, Josh. Thank you. Have a good day. You too, and he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. You're listening to Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Dan and Amy, uh, let's take a couple calls. Our branding expert, uh, Ralph from Rantoul, who gave us, uh, gave us and, and Brandon Johnson the gimme debt uh, branding oh, for right. the <laughs> forthcoming city-owned supermarkets and city-owned housing Developments for migrants, for the homeless, uh, 
and so forth, um, uh, wants to help us with branding the sign-up sheet idea that Josh McBroom from Naperville offered. Ralph, you're on Chicago's Morning yeah. Yeah, thanks. Good morning. Here's my pitch. Uh, look in your mind's eyes, okay? Uh, these are not illegal immigrants. They are Biden buddies, okay? So we're talking about <laughs> Biden buddies. All these people moving in. The first commercial, the first poster for Biden buddies, right, is uh, like uh, a group that just got done stomping across the Darien Gap. They got their muddy flip-flop feet on your end table, sitting there eating your food, sitting on your couch, not in my backyard, but maybe in your bonus room over your garage, right? And and behind that, looking in the window outside is a dude with face tattoos because he's checking up on his buddies, okay? Biden buddies. That's what we're talking about. I like it. No, I think uh, it's another. I, not, it. I mean, he is, uh, you know, one of the great uh, political marketing gurus out there, Ralph from Rantoul. The Biden Buddy program. That, I like that. That does have a better ring to it. That's good. I think we can sell that. CW, yeah, CWB calls them our new neighbor updates. Listen, meet your new oh. neighbors. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Talk about like that Venezuelan that was at the Standard Club. He kicked a sergeant in the head. They were trying to arrest him because he didn't show up for. Some hearing he kicked a, one cop in the nose, kicked a sergeant, and then tried to spit on another and yelled in Spanish, I'm going to kill you, and then I'm going to kill your kids. Right. He just needs Meet a Biden your new buddy. Neighbor. Yeah, the I Biden. just need like it's like right, like big brother, big sister. I like that that's very much in keeping with that idea. The Biden buddy program. Very good. Thank you for Ralph. We're gonna work on that. Yeah. All right. We're gonna work on that. Start working up some artwork and um, and marketing collateral. Very, very good. Thanks, Ralph from Rantoul. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. So as uh, Mike Scott's been reporting uh, all morning uh, in that uh, multiple murder case in Joliet, eight people that were murdered by this guy who was who fled and then was killed in a or killed himself uh, when Texas authorities got got uh, got to him. He fled to Texas. Texas authorities tracked him down and killed himself rather than get into a firefight or be taken into custody by Texas law enforcement. Um, and now the uh, the girlfriend and baby mama has been arrested for obstruction of justice. That's great oh. news that this couple had a three-year-old kid. Good grief. Oh, boy. A disaster. Uh, all the way around. And, of course, this is an opportunity for the big guy, Mr. 10%, President Biden, and, you know, his flax at the local level, Jelly Belly and BLM Brandon, to make things even worse. That's what they do. So here's the statement that uh, Team Biden released. This tragedy underscores why I am doing everything in my power to keep guns off our streets and out of the hands of those who seek to harm themselves or others. It's why my administration is strengthening the gun background check system, cracking down on gun trafficking. It's why I've taken dozens of executive actions to strengthen gun safety and end the gun violence epidemic. It's why I can yeah, because it's a, it's a it's a virus. And it's why I continue to call on Congress to pass universal background checks, national red flag law, and others that blah, 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 within our power to stop the epidemic of gun violence, blah, blah, blah. Congress must act now, blah, blah, blah. More gun control, more gun bans, you know, uh, build on the good work that Jelly Belly and your gun banning Democrat socialist power structure has done in banning sport rifles in the state is what 
Biden is offering in response, seizing on this uh, horrific crime, crimes plural, these horrific crimes to, uh, you know, do what the left does in the wake of horrific crimes, which is wave the flag to their loyalists to attack law-abiding gun owners. 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro answer line. 64636DA, turnkey.pro text line. All right, this this in crazy, insane man killed his mother, his aunt, his uncle, his brother, and his three sisters. Two were 16 and just 14 years old. And I'm telling you this, Dan, if he didn't have a gun, he would have used a knife or something else. He, he was also mentally, I mean, he's deranged and he, he was hell bent on killing them and he would have used another object to do it. Well, there was also uh, additional. One of them was caught on video. He shot a couple other people that survived, yeah. thankfully. Uh, one was just like a random guy. He stops. This guy's unloading his uh, car of water and stuff he got at the grocery store. And, and, he, and he, he, like, drives slowly by him. And then this guy's walking on the sidewalk into his house. And then the shooter drives back, and he just opens fire on this guy walking to his house for no reason, wings him in the leg. And, again, thankfully, he's one of those that survived. But gives you a sense of what you're dealing with here. And speaking of what well, you're what dealing is, with, okay. uh, this this reporting, um, and speak, you know, in the context of what uh, Team Biden is offering, of, of course, there's no discussion of this from those same gun-banning politicians. No discussion of this. In early January of last year, Nance, uh, this guy, the shooter, fired at a car carrying a woman. No one was hit, but he was charged in an arrest warrant with aggravated battery and recklessly firing a weapon. Um, yeah, you would think so. If you fire into a car uh, with people, you would think that, yeah, you'd be arrested, charged with aggravated battery, recklessly firing a, a weapon. As he was, taking, as he was take, being taken into custody last year, he wrestled free from officers, tried to run, leading authorities to also charge him with obstruction. Later the next month, he was charged with criminal damage to government property after he broke a glass in a cell door, according to records. A judge set his bond on $100,000 for all the charges against him. Um, then uh, that February, Nance was charged with misdemeanor count, uh, misdemeanor count of battery while still in jail. So yep, he was still out of jail awaiting trial for that alleged road rage shooting. Did that did Biden bring that up at all? He shouldn't have been out in the first place. So he taken into custody. Then he uh, tries to flee. Then he uh, uh, is committing acts of violence in and in, in damage to property while in custody. And yet he's still bonded out. So, I mean, that's that's a question, too, one would think. But, you know, these prosecutors um, and the cops, too, they have a pretty good handle on people like this shooter normally. Right. They know who the repeat offenders are. They know the profile of somebody who is a sociopath and who they have a pretty good intuition if he was to be released would commit additional acts of violence as we've seen play out over and over and over again in chicago and 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 so yeah i mean i i think there are some questions to ask about what law enforcement and what the will county state's attorney's office thought about this guy when he was taken into custody last year 
And I mean, again, you know, Jim Glasgow, Will County State's attorney, you know, has been a strong opponent of the Pritzker Purge law, and he's a strong proponent of right. keeping violent criminals over for trial and so on and so forth. So I'm not making allegations of any malfeasance here. I'm just saying there's some questions to ask about this, and this is the kind of story that uh, leads one to you know, bring back these other measures that they don't really talk about that much, like the Pritzker Purge law, like the end of cash bail in illinois and like we don't talk about enough which is the judgment of judges when it comes to setting bail or when it comes to in this post cash bail environment uh weighing prosecutors efforts to keep uh, people charged with violent crimes that pose a threat to the public uh, behind bars awaiting you know pending trial I wonder how that judge feels right now who let him out. Was, you know, oh, you, you can be out waiting trial. I mean, it was a road rage incident where he tried to shoot somebody from his car because he was upset for some reason. We don't know. And then tried to run from police and then gets a misdemeanor charge in jail, too. And they think, oh, no, you know what? Let's let him out. He's not well, a danger to society, this guy. Well, the, the litany of... Um behavior to you know sort of one incident after the other after this uh i mean i mean firing into a car uh charged with aggravated battery recklessly firing a weapon i mean you could also charge him with attempted murder if you're firing into a car with people in the car um so and then the subsequent activity i mean that it does raise questions but you know i mean the, the other thing too is you're dealing with um Part of the problem with the criminal justice system is, um, you know, the law abiding are unhelpful. A lot of the law abiding are unhelpful. Let me give you an example of what I mean, both in terms of the their actual participation in the criminal justice system, as well as just generally given their, for example, their uh, support of all of these end cash bail politicians, both in state's attorney's offices and places like Cook and Lake County as well as, of course, in legislative offices and statewide offices. These are all, these are all, um, you know, the criminal justice version of the open borders crowd. This is the open the jails crowd. A uh, man robbed Chicago Bank three days after being acquitted of bank robbery. Federal judges, uh, federal officials say a man oh, uh, robbed nice a Lincoln Park bank on Monday, three days after a jury of his peers in yeah. Cook County found him not guilty of robbing a different bank. He was charged in December of 21 with robbing the Fifth Third Bank. At the time, federal prosecutors said he placed a demand note with words to the effect of, give me the money, give me Uh that, (laughs) on a plexiglass partition at a teller station. Fearing he had a weapon in his backpack, the bank worker handed over about 600 bucks in cash. When Chicago cops arrested him 27 minutes later, this is a real caper. Yeah. Uh, he was dressed like the bank robber. He was carrying a, robber, a robbery note that read, give me the money, please, thank you. And he had $492 of the 600 bucks in cash still on him. On Friday, though, the federal, a federal jury found him not guilty of bank robbery. Oh, my God. <laughs> then, I can't make this up. Within 72 hours after the jury returned its verdict, he passed a note to a teller at the Citibank in Lincoln Park. Please give me the money. I'll pay it back mm. soon. 
uh, nice bankers give to me in advance. <laughs> and of course, he always wears a COVID mask. But yeah, they they call him the polite robber. <laughs> Very so stupid. But that he politely robs banks. I'm trying to see. Like, if there, I wonder if there is there some sort of pattern here. I'm, I'm trying to pick up on this. So I, I would have loved to have been in. No, I wouldn't have. But um, it would be interesting to maybe be behind plexiglass and watch this jury in the first case deliberate. I mean, the cops arrested him within a half an hour of the crime, dressed like the bank robber, carrying a note that said, give me the money with the cash on him. Not guilty. So, you know, there's this other uh, uh portion of the criminal justice system, this other stakeholder in the criminal justice system that is also unhelpful in places like Cook County and Illinois generally. Of course, there are exceptions. You know, that is the the people themselves, even many, many, many of the law abiding. Well, in court, yeah, in court last Friday, his defense argued that there were no implicit or explicit threats of any kind. So the jury's like, OK, yeah, let's, you know, set him free. Give me the money, please, thank you, on a note, dressed like a bank robber. Right. Exactly. I mean, you know, that's the kind of jury that criminals uh, and defense attorneys (laughs) live for. And um, you get um, more than your share in Cook County. Dan and Amy, Chicago's Morning Answer. It's news, opinion, insight. This is Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer. Dan and Amy, so uh, yesterday in uh, news on the gender-bending front, the Ohio House and Senate, I mean, it was the Senate yesterday, but now both chambers voted to override Republican Governor Mike DeWine's veto of legislation that would restrict Uh, access to uh, puberty blockers for minors, bans transition-related medical care for minors, and restricts uh, men participating in girls' sports. Ohio becomes the 22nd state with a law that restricts minors' access to puberty blockers and hormone therapy, and the 24th state with a law that bans men from playing girls' sports. So, you know, you're getting to critical mass in this country, which I suppose is encouraging, I thought uh, Ohio State Senator Christina Rogner had a uh, pretty good uh, speech on the Senate floor in supporting the override of DeWine's veto. There are men and there are women. There are boys and there are girls. And they are different. Revolutionary. It is, while it is possible to identify as anything you want, it is not possible for a man to become a woman or a woman to become a man. And here's something else. Gender is not fluid. There is no such thing as a gender spectrum. You cannot change your gender. You either have two X chromosomes or you have an X and a Y chromosome, and you have the associated anatomical differences that go along with that. Men typically have more muscle mass. They have greater lung capacity, denser bones. This makes them generally faster and stronger than women. And here's something, despite what the liberals say, gender is not assigned at birth, but rather from the moment of conception, you are either male or you are female. 
And there is no such thing as gender-affirming care. You can't affirm something that doesn't exist. But what does exist is a course of puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, double mastectomies, and other horrific procedures. And attempting to change someone's sex is a fool's errand, and it's also fighting their own biology. This naturally requires regular visits, repeated treatments, and creates, as you can imagine, a permanent patient. This is quite a profit center for those hospitals pushing these procedures. Uh, pretty um, sensible and uh, uh, on-point review by that state center in Iowa. It's time for people to speak with moral clarity about things that are commonsensical, which is what that Ohio State Senator was just doing. Uh, even uh, former Bernie bro Joe Rogan, I know he's got a lot of fans on the right, former Bernie bro Joe Rogan, talking about uh, leftist loons with particular attention to this issue. Take a listen to what Rogan recently said. Over time, this is what we're seeing. So over time, you and I, who used to be on the left, are now like, where's the left? Where are you guys? You yeah. guys are so far away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I yeah. can't even see you. Yeah, yeah. You're out of your mind. You're, you're, you're chopping off and, and you're giving little kids <laughs> yeah, yeah. hormone blockers. You have no idea what the long-term consequences are. You're ignoring the health risks. You won't even talk about the health risks. Yeah. You, you use things like g- gender-affirming care. What are you saying? Yeah. What are you saying when you're talking about children? Yeah. Why are you just accepting this? Because it, it's, it's a noble thing to blurt out. So everybody goes, you're on the right team. That's what it is. It's not like, oh, my God, what are we doing to kids? It's not like, oh, my God, what are we doing to San Francisco? It's not like, oh, my God, why are we letting these violent criminals out of jail? It's like, yeah. oh, my God, why are we defunding the f- police? Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. You can't say any of those things. Well, he just said them. Um, so that's a start. And uh, what Ohio uh, Republicans did, also a start, willing to uh, teach Mike DeWine a lesson. I don't know what he was thinking and vetoing that legislation. But, I mean, this is what Rogan is talking about as well as what that state senator is talking about. Let me give you an example. <laughs> where's the left? Joe Rogan asked. Where's the left? We used to be members of the left. Where'd you go? <laughs> uh This story out of Italy, a trans man who underwent a mastectomy while transitioning was found to be five months pregnant, joining a rare group of so-called seahorse dads. Heard about this. Oh, my God. Seahorse dads. Have you heard this term? You better include it into your newspeak. uh, I've never heard the term seahorse dad, but that's what makes him a seahorse dad. Okay. Yeah, a seahorse dad uh, because uh, seahorses and sea dragons uh, are the only male version of a species that where the man the men uh, carry oh. the carry the babies. So, um, but yeah. if we could if we could get back to human beings, if people want to do that, talk about human beings. Um, that's not well, the I case. A, yeah, I read in an article too that he he kept or she kept telling her, her gyno, no, "There's no way I'm pregnant. I'm a man now." And like, no, you were born a woman and you still have a uterus and ovaries and you're pregnant. Yes. And was arguing with the doctor. So in other words, a woman had sex with a man and became pregnant. And that is news coming out of Italy. Yeah. Uh, Now the uh, endocrinologist said having discovered the pregnancy, the first thing to do is suspend hormone therapy immediately because, of course, that could put the 
the baby at risk. But anyway, seahorse dads. Uh, that's what uh, pushes people like Joe Rogan, who do have some common sense, over to the side of sanity. And that's really what the discussion is between the sane and the ideologically driven insane, driving some of the rest of us insane in the process. All right. Uh, coming up at uh, 838, excuse me. Uh, you know, you're thinking about uh, your retirement and uh, planning for your financial future. I think all you need to do is just buy the Magnificent Seven and watch the market go up forever and ever and ever again. But maybe not. Mark Kohler is the president of Kohler Insurance Services, host of Retirement Income Radio Sundays on our airwaves. And he will join us at 838 to talk markets and financial planning and retirement. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. What did I just see come over the transom? Uh, U.S. economy grew 2.5% last year. Staving off a recession. Is that the number I saw? 2.5-3% last year. Um, happy days are here again. It's odd. 75% of the people think their economic security is declining. Uh, anyway, um, apparently all you have to do is just uh, have full faith in the Fed and uh, their manipulation of the market, buy the Magnificent Seven stocks, sit back and watch the money pile in. Is that right? Well, let's ask Mark Kohler. He's the president of Kohler Insurance Companies, Insurance Services, LLC, host of Retirement and Income Radio, which airs on our airwaves Sundays from 11 a.m. to noon. Mark, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Dan and Amy, so good to hear your voices, uh, to be connected with you today. Um, you were talking about... Um, you know, how people feel. There's an uneasiness that people hate, you know, feel. The problem we're running into is there's procrastination. We've got the best listeners in the city of Chicago. I'm absolutely convinced of that. They love their country, their spouses, their, you know, they love their families, they work hard, they sacrifice. The problem is even our good listeners um, can put their heads in the sand sometimes and say, oh, well, we'll just wait, you know. So Wall Street famously says, oh, just hang on and wait. The problem is the first five years before retirement and the first 10 years after retirement are the most critical times of their financial lives. problem is we're running into people. They're calling in from our show, and they're 56, 58, 59. Some of them haven't paid it, you know, saved enough. They don't have situational awareness. And you talked about the gunman, you know. What what is the what do the policemen tell you when you're in training for concealed carry? They say you've got to have situational awareness. So in this case, they got to have financial situational awareness. So what we do in the show, we shake them up, we prod them a little bit, we give them ideas, solutions, we throw some stories in there, and then give some calls to action. And so, so, um, so uh, everybody joins us, you know, on Sunday. So um, what are people? Uh... Uh, you know, waiting and not doing that they should not be waiting to do? Well, they got to do, let me get, well, that's a very, very good question. So there's a couple problems, okay? So, and I'm just going to touch on a couple of them right now. And one of them is paying too much in taxes. That's going to kill you in the long run. Sounds simple. 
there are simple things that can be done, but there has to be action. And literally, some you know, sign some documents with a pen can make a lot of these things. What I'm about to talk about go away. Number two is excessive fees. Fees will kill you in the long run. And people don't think about it. They're too busy. They're running on the hamster wheel. They're blessing their families. They're running around. And they, they just don't see it. They said, oh, my God, well, you know, where am I in or I'm too late? Third thing that can happen are black swan events. Those shootings you were just talking about, those are individual black swan events like 9-11, like COVID happened, right? Nobody planned mm-hmm. that. They didn't put it in their date book, hi, I want to get my head blown off today. <laughs> But financial, you know, black swan events, they happen. They actually happen. One of them is like sickness. There's a lady right now that's a client of mine in Northwestern Hospital. She fell down, banged her head. She doesn't know where she is. This lady was a top, top, I can't tell you who it is. But um, she had a life, you know, she had the life by the horns. And one black swan event happened, and she didn't have all the documents together. She had cash flow issues she didn't even know about. So, you know, that that's just one example. Here's another one. Lawsuits. Lawsuits can completely derail you financially. And no one puts that in their date book and says, oh, gee, was this the day I'm going to get sued because I turned left instead of right, the sun was in my eye, and boom. Maybe they're underinsured, you know. No one, no one except Liability Trump puts insurance. that in their date book. Yeah. Yeah, he's... What's that? No one except Trump puts it in, in their date book. Yeah. Well... <laughs> Okay, that guy is unbelievable, okay? I've never in my life have I ever seen, I have never seen anyone go straight forward like a locomotive through everything that guy's been through. They're trying to derail that guy left and right, up, down. That guy's a force in and of himself. So then that can get me going for hours, just talking about him. But back. Can we go back to something? Yeah. Sure, go ahead. You you mentioned fees. What, what, What are you talking about? What kind of... Well, I just got fees. a call from a lady. Oh, so in a brokerage account, not only is she paying commissions for trades, you know, allocation and owning the right stuff, that's a whole nother, that's a discussion. That's its own little black swan event as far as I'm concerned. So not only are they paying commissions for transactions, but they're paying a management fee. There's absolutely no reason for that. I mean, that is just like, what are you doing, you know? So... Um, that's kind of imagine having your car. Let's imagine you have a Corvette and your four wheels have half the air it needs to, to run. It can't go as fast. It's kind of, I know this sounds kind of strange as an analogy, but you know, you have to be diligent. You actually have to recheck your financial situation like every three years. Just like you got to get your Foyt card. You got to get that thing renewed, don't you? You got to pay your insurance. You got to, you've got to find out where you are financially. You cannot get from where you are to where you want to be until you know where you are. There's no chart you can use unless you, unless you know where you are. You can't get to that safe harbor that you're looking for. So that's one of the things we help them with is find out what their point A is, right? And help them find out where they're trying to get to, but they got to get there in the most tax-wise way possible, and that means a meeting. There are many people right now that are listening, that are uncomfortable. They got uneasiness in their gut. They know something's wrong. They're not sure what it is. They need to get rid of that financial cancer now, before it eats them alive. So we offer a complimentary consultation. We review their estate plan. That's another thing that we didn't even talk about: estate planning. 
I mean, you know, this this lady that's in the hospital, she's got to have the right documents so the courts get involved. All it takes is a, a, a pen and a few nice sheets of paper, and that's it. And the legalities in the system are actually there, believe it or not. There are laws there to help bless someone um, for these unseen events. So let me mention something else, long-term care. My father was in a wheelchair for over 20 years. He was the number one periodontist in the United States. He was the first president of the Periodontal Society. He got a muscle disease, and that was it. He didn't put it in. He was a World War II veteran, the best hero I've ever met in my life. Didn't put it in his date book. Oh, boy, this is the last day I walk. Well, it happened. And all his sunny day friends left. Thank God he had some, uh, he had actually had five disability insurance policies, little tiny ones, but they added enough to, you know, take care of, you know, make sure he was at the house and not out on the street somewhere. So, you know, and, the, and then we talk about another thing is poor portfolio imbalances. Like, well, what the heck is that? How much green money do you have? How much red money do you have? Red money is the money that goes up and down and up and down. The risk that you take. You have to take some risk or you're not going to make it. The ships are not made to stay in the harbor. They're made to sail. If you have money to invest, you need to do it, but you got to be prudent about it. That's the red money, the money that goes up and down over time. And Wall Street you know, famously says, oh, just hang on, it'll be fine. The green money is the money you can't lose. If you lose it, you're up a creek. So we help people put together, you could call them private pensions, Everybody loves their Social Security. Everybody loves their pensions. There's a way to bless and protect their, you know, their financial situation for life. There's a way to do that, but you have to have both red money and green money. I know I'm talking my head off here, but well, so I mean, it's, I mean, just some in terms of some of the best practices. I mean, to, to categorize them, so you know, balancing people's portfolio that that makes sense. Um, yep. You're talking about the relative risk and where you are in your in your life and your career. I mean, all that makes sense. That's pretty straightforward. And then, and, and, and one of the things that seems to me you're key, you're keying on is people are underinsured, not just for black swan events, but maybe in terms of um, life insurance. Uh, well, they're related of course, but life insurance policies to make sure the family's taken care of. And, and uh, just generally speaking, I mean, are those where you spend a majority of your time providing professional insight to clients? Okay, that's just part of it. So when I say portfolios, the, the red money, the stocks, bonds, things that go up and down, and then the green money, there is insurance, you know, side to that, to their entire portfolio. Mm-hmm. We set it up for them to win the game long term, that they can't even screw it up. We put, you know, systems and people and institutions together to blend and kind of surround them, you know, protect them from the, you know, their, their, uh, uh, what you call it, the little caravans um, that used to go out west, the covered wagons, right? So it's, you know, they need a holistic approach, but that can't happen until they know where they are. So let's back up for a second. They need help with taxes. They need help with fees. You know, be protected from black swan events, wiping them out financially. Lawsuits, long-term care, probate portfolio imbalances, bad investments, you have to hit, there are good and bad investments, okay? But there are right and wrong investments, depending on where they're trying to get to. So if you're 21 years old and you're putting all your IRA money in a CD, that's not really, you know, 
that's a wrong, that's a good investment, but it happens to be wrong. So we help them get good investments that are right given where they're trying to get to. So yes, insurance is part of this, but also stocks and bonds, managed accounts and ETFs and all that other stuff. My problem in what we're seeing is people are completely freaked out. And last this COVID thing, I mean, people have gone into, you know, they're like frozen. Not all of them, but they're like a deer in the headlights. Procrastination is what's going to kill them over time. We see people that have blown through like 10 years going, gee, I, I just had a lady the other day call in. because well, I, I, re- I think I got to get started here. I said, well, you know, get some information. I can't tell you who she is, but 56 years old. And she just now wants to start saving money for retirement. I'm like, well, you, you know, it, I mean, this is, if you guys could see, my, my wealthiest clients were 78 million. The, the lowest is 50,000. I've been doing this for 35 years. I'm a certified estate planning professional. I own a registered investment advisory firm. I'm a, regi- I'm a registered financial consultant. I've seen so many things, and I see these families from the inside out. I know everything about them. I know more than the families know eventually because we have to, you know, to help them get from where they are to where they want to be. So the show is, you know, like I said before, giving them some ideas and prodding them a little bit, getting them out of procrastination. If they don't pick up the phone, we offer actually a retirement income book, retirement income kit for them to, you know, help them formulate that roadmap in their head so they can see what's available understand a couple key things wall street is like a fog bank okay so imagine you got a ship without without a radar you've got to you have to be able to see through the fog bank there's so much information coming out of wall street it'll just confuse the heck out of just about anyone then they freeze they do nothing next thing you know the market retraces or there's some black swan event and they're blown into the stone age there are people you know, both of you guys, Dan and Amy, every listener knows somebody who got blown out either from 9-11 or 2008 or COVID wiped them out. They have to be proactive, just like that situational awareness. You have to have your concealed carry permit first before something, you know, someone tries to break in your house. You already have to have the gun. You can't go, well, I think I'm going to get my Floyd card today. Well, the, the front door's coming in. Okay, so what do you have to do for financial situational awareness? That's what we do. We do an apples to apples comparison. And so they see where they are. They know what where they should be and what they can do. After that, it's up to them. You know, Mark Kohler is the president of. Yeah, Mark. Mark is the president of Kohler Insurance Services, host of Retirement and Income Radio. That's on our airwaves Sundays. At uh, 11 a.m., 11 to 12, uh, 11 a.m. to 12 noon, Mark Kohler, Retirement Income retirement and Income Radio, again, Sundays, 11 a.m. to noon. Mark, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much for your time, and have a wonderful weekend. You too, Mark. Thank you. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. The stories you need to know to start your day. This is Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer. Wall Street Journal reporting 3.1% GDP growth last year, so 3.1%. Uh, uh, got a, some fun text messages. Dan and Amy, in regards to your last guest, I don't have to worry. I have Car Shield. Very good. 
Uh, all right. Uh, so um, Alex Stein and the Party Bros have made municipal board meetings fun, and uh, they're spawning impersonators, literally impersonators, like a Fawny Willis impersonator down there in Fulton County, Georgia. This is not Alex Stein. This is not the Party Bros, but it's pretty uh-huh. good. My name is Fat Ass Sassin Crass, no class, Fulton County. I'm incognito today, y'all, because the white folks is after me. I got a little bit of a PR problem. Natalie, you might be able to help me with, I could use the name of your PR firm. You know, the one that got you on the top 100 list? That's the kind of PR I'm looking for. Inside joke. You know, I, I know you'll understand that nothing and nobody comes between me and my Nathan's hot dog. <laughs> yeah. Pull out a foot-long hot dog. Come on up in here now, my dark and lovely lunch. <laughs> Oh, oh, yeah, there you go. Come on. <laughs> yes, my PR firm, all they tell me to do is take me to church. Yeah. Here we go. Take me to church. I worship <laughs> you, dog. You're the light of my life. Please forgive me my sins, but I would fall on a knife. You are my destiny, baby. Good God, just get rid of your wife. Take me to church. I go to work. I get my freak on. Take me to church. I write a check. They let me say a few words. Take me to church. I eat some crow and humble pie. Take me to church. I write a contract. We're set for life. Take me to church. First Baptist. Here I come. Take me to church. Do we got to see the Catholics, too? Are they on the schedule? Do I got to do everything? Take me to church. 15 seconds. Uh, Completely nuts, but really fun. And I mean... The the you know the hosier uh, they're channeling that uh, song take me to church. I mean, you really have to see the video to appreciate her dramatics while this foot long hot dog is in her right oh. hand going all over the place. It's <laughs> wild, good stuff. I love the ridicule. Uh, all right, thanks so much for making this part of your morning. Thanks to George Hoffman, who's in for Justin Kosick and Quinn McCarthy. We're back here bright and early tomorrow morning. At 5 a.m. Thanks for listening to Chicago's Morning Answer podcast sponsored by Signature Bank. Signature Bank takes pride in helping customers grow their business and provide unmatched banking expertise, custom financial solutions, and the industry's best technology. So whether you're a business looking for a deposit relationship or needs a ready source of financing, Signature Bank is the right bank for you. Call today at 773-467-5600 to hear how Signature Bank can help your business grow and thrive Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender.